millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, the Premier League breaks a record on US TV. We reveal which longtime commentator is leaving ESPN. Copa Libertadores returns to US television and springs a surprise. ESPN announces plans for a brand new Bundesliga season. Plus, we have letters from you, the, le- the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, joined alongside my co host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, Kartik, uh, we've got a lot to get to in this episode. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways we can go. But first, before we jump right in, just for those listeners who are new to this podcast, uh, this is the only soccer media podcast in the business. We've been doing this now for uh, this incarnation of, of this uh, podcast for about three years, maybe, maybe four years. Uh, and the podcast itself has been running since 2006. As far as I know, it's the longest running consecutive podcast on the planet. Um, but uh, what we focus on really is more the soccer media side. So talking about the television coverage, talking about the streaming accessibility, talking about all of the changes, talking about the commentators, the co-commentators, uh, who, who has the best coverage, who has the coverage that needs to be improved the most. But before we get into, well, I guess this, this is kind of part of what we've been watching, which is our first segment, where we talk about uh, one of our favorite games from the, this past week. This past week was a big change, of course. We had uh, the launch of the Premier League, uh, the launch of, um, well, not the launch of the Premier League, but a launch of a new season. And the big differentiator with this one was this is the first season, first full season that we have Peacock. So Peacock is uh, NBC's streaming solution. Uh, It's going to be streaming more of the games than in the past that used to be on NBC Sports Gold. But for most Premier League fans, it's a big change. And from the games this this past weekend, Kartik, there were, what, uh, Brighton against Chelsea was on there and Spurs against Everton. And I think there was one other game on there. But but the two big ones, Spurs against Everton um, and then Brighton. West Ham, Newcastle. Was West Ham, Newcastle. That's the one that, that got bumped. Originally, it was on television, but that one got bumped to Peacock. What were your first impressions of um, from this past weekend, uh, Peacock and also NBC's coverage? So... Uh- 
I had uh, just a little bit of difficulty with Peacock. I had uh, uh, some issues uh, late in matches, in two of the matches, the Newcastle uh, the Newcastle West Ham match and the Everton Spurs match, where uh, I'd watched it on my LG smart television straight through, and then around minute between minute eighty five and eighty eight, there were some buffering issues. There was a stall. Then you would have to go back out, reload it pretty quick process, but you fall behind in the game. So uh, that happened. And, and I, in fact, during stoppage time of the Everton West Ham match, uh, excuse me, Everton Spurs match, I did check uh, foot mob to see if the match was over. And it was, and I was in like the third minute of stoppage time. So I was about a minute behind. So no problem. Uh, so slight problem there uh, in terms of, 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 of the, of the streaming side, I think I may have had uh, something. No, I didn't. Ha- oh, okay. So my other issue with Peacock was Peacock has given us this wonderful 24 seven Premier League TV, right? Which is done by IMG Premier League productions. I um, have not been a particular fan of NBC studio programs of late. Um, what ends up happening is after the Chelsea Brighton game, you know, it's just you know what it's the usual uh, nonsense. I mean, I think Tim Howard made some good points actually in, in the post game with that, but I, I'm fed up with their their studio coverage. So I switched to this channel that they're giving us on Peacock, and it basically Peacock uh, they blacked out. Peacock, uh, the Premier League TV during NBCSN coverage or Peacock coverage of the Premier League. So they're forcing, which is smart on their part, but then, it, it, you know, I'm all excited about this 24-7 channel, and then I realize I can't actually use it when they're showing domestic coverage from here. So that was a, a, another frustration, although that channel is highly recommended. I, I've checked it out a few times this week. I think it's, it's going to be a regular staple of my viewing. So uh, for those of you complaining about Peacock, this is some added value you get with it, which is this 24-7 Premier League channel, which you have to find in the list of channels, right? You go and you get NBC and MSNBC and CNBC and then all the Sky channels and Bravo and USA. Uh, if you subscribe to Peacock, you can go down to that and you've got that. So, so this past weekend, Kartik, we had a bunch of different groups of people um, flocking to Peacock or, or not flocking. But, but basically what you have is you have your mainstream um soccer fans so maybe your fans of manchester united your fans of liverpool your fans of chelsea your fans of spurs kind of more, more of your mainstream um soccer fans which is nothing wrong with that that's that's totally fine then you have the hardcore soccer fans who probably are more re- religious about it trying to watch as many games as possible um they they may have their favorite team they probably do or there might be a neutral but you have those two different camps um, and then probably you have some of the ones that are more tech savvy, and this could be some of your uh, mainstream fans, or this could be some of your hardcore fans, but some tech savvy ones. And then you have another group that's your uh, people that are not tech savvy, who are not, um, who may not, who may have uh, internet and may have even an iPhone, but they're not uh, up to speed on Chromecast and Roku and Amazon Fire uh, TV sticks and all that technology. So what you have is all these different groups of people canvassing uh, you mean, in, in the United States and trying to wanting, wanting to watch these games. And a, a Spurs against Everton, a, a Brighton against Chelsea, that's, those are matches that had some big ramifications. So um, I, from the website, from uh, Twitter, through this podcast, through emails, I got barraged from the past week. Um, so many you mean, comments 
questions, some, a lot of questions. But um, it, it, <laughs> by the end of the weekend, I was kind of sick of uh, Peacock because I was trying to answer as many questions as possible, trying to help people uh, understand what the differences are between the free, the free Peacock tier, the Peacock Premium, the Peacock Premium Plus. Uh, a lot of information out there. But what about you, Kartik? So, like, you and I would be hardcore fans, right? Diehard fans. Uh, you're very tech-savvy, as am I. So I kind of expected this. I kind of expected that uh, you'd we, we'd have a lot of... we hear a lot of complaints. we ha- would hear a lot of people with questions. I expected it. What, what was your reaction from what you saw? I was a little stunned. I mean, I, I guess... I'm not stunned about the tech-savvy part. I mean, to be honest with you, the one of my things I'm least tech-savvy at are these smart TVs. All I, I, I don't know how a Chromecast works or or, or a PlayStation Live or any of that. Well, that's gone now. But those, those sorts of things. I mean, I have an Apple TV, and I use that. Uh, and then the LG smart TV that I have uh, has Peacock built into it, believe it or not. Uh, I think that they've, they've actually done – I know they've had a hard time with Roku and Amazon Fire Stick and that stuff that we talked about. That, again, I, as I said, I don't know – that much about they have they have done a good thing in getting on the smart TVs. Uh, the LG and I'm sure some other uh, manufacturers just have Peacock built in, like it's a, another channel on on the television. So that's uh, you get like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Button, uh, Curiosity Stream, uh, CBS, and then you have actually there is no CBS All Access or Paramount Plus now, but or ESPN, but there is a Peacock uh, thing. So. That didn't that, that that didn't surprise me that people were confused about that. What did surprise me is the number of people who were angry about matches being on Peacock and were reacting very uh, in a very very um, kind of churlish way in some cases. I, I um, I'm not always a defender of NBC's Premier League coverage. I think when we get into the actual coverage, you know, I'm gonna uh, in, in a few minutes I'll be even more critical, but. I think there was ample opportunity and ample time in NBC uh, for people to adjust. NBC has done this, I think, pretty respectfully. The first four years they had the Premier League, they gave us uh, uh, NBC Sports Live Extra that if you had access to it, gave you every game for free. Then they transitioned to to, to NBC Sports Gold, which meant you had to pay for – a little under half the matches, right? About maybe 30, 30 or 35% of the matches that you used to get for free, but they were generally matches that did not involve the bigger clubs. Maybe Liverpool, Man City, Man United would end up on, on gold two, three times a season, right? Yep. And now they're transitioning to a model where they're putting more um, of the big teams behind that paywall that they had built with NBC Sports Gold. And, and by the way, Peacock is cheaper than NBC Sports Gold uh, or about the same price, maybe slightly cheaper with a lot more value uh, to it. And then um, they're, they're, not giving, they're not doing that much more, Chris, in terms of it's not like they're throwing 80% of their games behind the paywall and only had 10% behind last year. I think they had about 35% of their games behind the paywall last year, and it'll be about 50% this year. So it's not um, – and obviously those numbers could change. We see they've moved matches that were supposed to be on television to Peacock. I'll concede they've done that in the last couple of weeks, uh, and uh, including one match last week, as you mentioned, Newcastle West Ham was originally supposed to be on uh, on NBCSN. But I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making it out to be. And if I'm being insensitive, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, and I'm and I'd love to hear your feedback on that. But yeah. I just don't think this is this uh, this this global tragedy people are making it out to be. Well, the big difference, though, Kartik, is that uh, this is actually 
pretty similar to NBC Sports Gold, except for one thing, which is the bigger matches are on uh, Peacock. Now, in the past, you I mean NBC Sports Gold has been around for a few years. Uh, anyone who's a, a Premier League fan or a fan of a Premier League club, especially from a, a club in the bottom half of the table, is pretty used to that technology. Having to watch myself, I mean, a few years ago watching Swansea games, I had to subscribe to that to to be able to to catch everything. What's different now is that you've got the Chelsea's, the Spurs, the Man Uniteds, the Liverpools, the Arsenal's, uh, and and those. The big six, really. Those fans are getting impacted by this uh, more than ever before. The second part of it, though, is that, yes, NBC Sports Gold uh, is not... Well, Peacock is not the same thing as NBC Sports Gold. So the NBC Sports Gold audience was hardcore fans. They, they were diehard fans. So when they've migrated from NBC Sports Gold to Peacock, Peacock doesn't have the same functionality that they got on NBC Sports Gold. Most importantly, right now at least, uh, if you want to go ahead and watch any of the, say, Premier League Today, which is the news show, or some of their classic footage, archives, the fantasy football show, you have to watch it live. There's no on-demand available. Hopefully that's something that will happen uh, over the course of time. Peacock will add on-demand functionality for the Premier League TV channel. But it's not there yet. So that that's definitely a big hang-up uh, for the NBC Sports Gold audience. But really, Kartik, this is all about uh, NBC moving these bigger games to uh, Peacock and making it exclusive to Peacock. And just wait for this weekend. This weekend, there's only two games on television. Uh, every single one of the other ones, the eight, uh, are going to be on Peacock exclusively. Uh, there's only one game on TV on Saturday, one game on TV on Sunday, Everything else is on Peacock. And I think part part of the reason for that, though, too, I mean, NBC Sports is still sticking to, they're saying, 175 games this season exclusive to Peacock, which represents about 46%. And it's just, a, I think you mentioned like 30, 35% perhaps last year, but so it's gone up just about 10%. But they are going to be bigger games. But this weekend, and, and Kartik, you know this better than I do, there's a, other coverage on. I, be, I believe it's the Tour de France is on. And it's one of the Opens. U.S. Open and golf. Yeah. So you've got the U.S. Open and you've got uh, – so even if Peacock – Look, they even bumped the Notre Dame-South Florida college football game to USA, just just for our listeners to know that even okay. college football got bumped this weekend. Yeah, and that's the thing, though, too. So even if uh, Peacock didn't exist and we were heading into this weekend, chances are most of those games would be on NBC Sports Gold, and maybe they would find they would put one on CNBC or try to find some other coverage available. But NBC and NBCSN this weekend are, are pretty well done booked. After this weekend, it'll get better where there's not as many games on Peacock uh, week in, week out. But the games that will... Remember, that's... so oh, sorry. I was just going to but... mention to the listeners, remember that's because those two events are summer events that have been rescheduled because of COVID. Yeah. But 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 again, too, even after this uh, this weekend, the big sports weekend with, um, with golf and tennis and... I mean, Tour de France and all sorts of things. Um, even then, in the future, it's still going to be big games. The big games, the Liverpool-Chelsea game, the other, I think is a Liverpool-Arsenal game coming up. Those are going to be Peacock. And that's the big change. That's the big factor that's really pissing people off. People are getting upset. You've been saying all sorts of things. You've seen it, seen it on social media too. Can't take, I'm sure. Um, but 
NBC Sports is in the business of trying to break even or trying to make a profit on the rights that they paid for the Premier League. They paid approximately a billion dollars for the rights, which is a lot of money. <laughs> and that they're trying to find ways to go ahead and, and, and actually get that money back, but also at the same time, go ahead and actually... Um, make peacock a thing make it make it something that uh we're watching peacock just as much as netflix we're not there yet but but that's their hope that's their goal it's the biggest thing from comcast and nbc now Kartik- and i also have to point out that you and i came up in an era in this country where we had to buy all these premium packages to watch this league so it shocked me this weekend the entitlement, and maybe it's partly my perspective. Maybe I'm too old school. Maybe I, I'm I'm the grumpy old man saying, "Oh, I had to buy Sacanta and uh, and had to buy Fo- uh, an extra package to get Fox Soccer Channel and Fox Sports World." But I, I think a lot of us that have been around have have also just had an expectation we have to pay to see soccer, uh, to see the top soccer yeah. in the world. So the ESPN Plus for the Bundesliga and for Serie. A, I mean, it's just it's just part of the. T- I guess there are a lot of younger people, Chris, who maybe their experience with the league, uh, with these leagues, are that they're on on cable television and, they, and they're they're basically free, although you pay for your cable package. So maybe that's why there's a disconnect between my perspective and their perspective. Yeah, just to put this into context too, Kartik, um, this past week, um, I subscribed to Swans TV, which is my, my favorite club, Swansea City, and they have a live streaming of games nothing available on demand it's only live and it's uh, home and away unless some of the games are on espn plus and then it's on espn espn plus only so it's probably about 85 percent of the games uh, for the season i have access to it's 200 dollars a year it used to be last season it was 140 dollars 146 dollars it's gone up you mean uh, uh, you mean from 150 to 200 dollars which is crazy but that's just one team, and that's just—I mean, I, I'm willing to pay that because that's my club. But in ter- in perspective, then Peacock is a bargain for what you get. And yes, it's a pain in the butt as far as it's a change that we ha- we have to get used to. But when I look at all the streaming services out there that are streaming soccer, I think I could go through every single one. And and there's things that are not perfect with any of them. ESPN Plus is wonderful as far as the price and all of the the actual streaming it offers. But it, it's it's buggy. There's some. There's been times where I know there's a game on there. I can't find it. It's not listed. I have to search for it. Sometimes with some of the MLS games I've watched on there, I know that there's a, an English language uh, broadcast of it available, but the Spanish language is the only one that comes up. So on and so forth. I can go through all these different streaming services. None of them are perfect. And hopefully Peacock will get better uh, with time. But... Um, it's early days. It, it is early days. And hopefully, I mean, they're listening. I know that the, the NBC Sports exec- executives listen to this podcast. I know that they read um, the articles that we write. They read the comments. They're looking at this, trying to understand the audience better. And, that, and that's part of it, too, is that uh, a lot of the negativity, a lot of the criticism, a lot of the reaction are, are learning lessons. They're learning as they go along, trying to figure out, okay, what is it that the this audience audience wants? I mean, kind of the t- from the technical point of view, uh, how what things can we improve? What things are things that are asking for that that's doable, but it might take some time to actually implement that. So, so I, I would say, last but not least, uh, just have patience. Hopefully, things will get better. Um, but definitely, like I said, we, we've been warning people on this podcast for months, Kartik. 
Peacock is a massive deal, and and I think now I think a lot of fans are waking waking up to that and and seeing that the big games are on Peacock. One last point: when you fire up your Peacock app, it's right there. You find it. So you mentioned ESPN Plus. Now we're going to have uh, a lot of Bundesliga matches this coming week on ESPN uh, Plus. We have a match on one uh, match on on linear television, and the other nine, or uh, sorry, the other eight will be on ESPN Plus. I don't know that I'll find those matches as easily, uh, particularly the Dortmund match, which I, I'm going to watch live, uh, as I did the Premier League matches on Peacock. To be perfectly honest, so that I really liked. It was the interface; it was easy. Uh, you go on, you I'll open Peacock up, you see it right away. They highlight the Premier League, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and actually, even Friday's Bayern Schalke game is on ESPN Plus too. So every single game will be on ESPN Plus. Um, but I mean, for most people, they're probably on Friday. They'll probably watch it on ESPN or ESPN Deporters. But it is available on ESPN Plus, and every single game you will get through ESPN Plus. Now, Kartik, as far as the um, the actual NBC Sports analysis, um, you probably watched and listened to it more than I did. But I would say um, we'll probably get to it in a little bit too. But the Liverpool Leeds game, um, I enjoyed the commentary of Ola White, Graeme Lasso, and Lee Dixon. And I thought, I mean, part of it too is it's the first big match of the season. Uh, with the trio, and it's been a while since we've we've heard them doing since what July doing some of the Premier League matches. And over time, I usually get a little bit tired of of all those, you mean, incessive uh, talking and kind of just just too much stats. But as far as it being a new season, it was a welcome return. Um, there were some things that Arlo talked about which I enjoyed. There were. And Lee and Graham are so different in their analysis that um, they often present different points of view uh, in the game itself. So it's always a learning ex- experience with uh, Lee Dixon and Graham Lasso. Uh, Lee Dixon more so, uh, historically speaking, doing the coverage. But but that I enjoyed. Um, as far as the rest of the coverage, I, I saw nothing jumped out, nothing special. But what what about you? What what, uh, what stood out for you? Well, so uh, on that three-man booth uh, for the uh, Liverpool-Leeds match, I I appreciate having two defenders there when it's a game of horrific defending because uh, I think particularly Lee Dixon, but Lasso also point out some very obvious things that sometimes attacking players who are uh, co-commentators don't point out uh, and and some things that also may not be so obvious that they pointed out. So I appreciated uh, the three-man booth for that match. I I think maybe Arla White, uh, I thought he had a good match other than I think dumbing down the coverage a little bit to talk uh, about Bielsa and educate the audience about Bielsa. I think most people who follow world football have known about Marcelo Bielsa for two decades. Um, but maybe the Premier League fan in the U.S. doesn't know as much about him. Uh, and I, to me, it, this is another shock to me, and this has nothing to do with NBC. The number of people who hadn't watched Leeds the last two seasons that are then interacting with me when I uh, rated them so highly, I, I was shocked because I, I firmly believe it. I'll say it again on this podcast. I think if Leeds had been in the Premier League last season, they would have finished in the top half. As a championship team, I think they would have finished in the top half. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm actually impressed that Liverpool beat them and, and were able to uh, – uh, Meet the meet the, the 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 punch right that came from Leeds. Um, studio coverage, I didn't like it. I, I think uh, the coverage has been dumbed down. They don't talk about anything terribly interesting or compelling. Uh, I, I thought Tim Howard was was pretty good, uh, but again, you know, it's they're not asking him uh, to, to, uh, the, the necessarily the tough questions. Uh, Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto are good. They're 
but but they're better on their podcast, right? They talk about, I, I mean, for some reason, the really good analytical stuff that Earl and Musto give us is now on the two Robbies and not in the NBC studio. And that's something maybe, again, they've done market research in the audience, the hardcore uh, uh, geeks like me are, 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 are listening and watching uh, the two Robbies and, and uh, are getting our, our fix that way and, and not uh, through the studio shows. I mean, the studio shows are supposed to be dumbed down, but I... I didn't care for it much. I thought, uh, again, I know I've been saying this for a couple of seasons, ESPN FC, uh, w- w- whether it's Dan Thomas or, or Kay Murray hosting, uh, did a much better job reviewing Premier League matches than, than NBC did. Uh, and then I like the Premier League TV channel, I, I, I told, uh, I mentioned, that's on uh, on Peacock, although you, you do make a good point. I hadn't tried to do that yet, Chris, and I used to be able to watch some of those shows on demand on um, on Gold and did not realize that they're not available on Peacock on demand. So uh, yep. I guess I won't look for them then. Yeah, it, it, it's live only, and it's it's a strange – well, it's not strange. It, it, the reality of our world uh, now is that unless it's a football match, we're not watching the content live. So even if it's ESPN FC or if it's uh, Premier League Today or whatever show it may be uh, – most of the time, I think we're watching it on delay. We're watching it on demand. We're watching it when it's convenient for us. It's really difficult to drop everything and, and watch a Premier League Today show at 6 a.m. on an Eastern uh, morning or a 10 a.m. Eastern or a fantasy football show, whichever. There's actually some good content on there. Um, and actually going back to what you said before, too, where they blacked out during the even during the pregame coverage, too, which um, having seen that pregame coverage overseas, from the Premier League uh, productions, it's really good. And usually the, the, the reporters are there at the stadium. They're outside giving live updates. You kind of get a yep. good feel for the build-up to the game. And with NBC's coverage, it has become very predictable. It has become very safe. I, I think in some ways, though, can't take it. Like, you and I definitely could talk about Bielsa and Leeds United. We could do a whole podcast on it easily from what we've seen just in the past few years, watching them battle it out in the championship, the highs and lows. But I still think, though, even though they're talking down to us, uh, I, th- I think for the most part they're they're informing and educating uh, the audience because most of them weren't watching the championship on, on uh, ESPN Plus in the last couple of years. Uh, so I think I think it's important to do kind of a, a primer. Now, whether they'll, uh, Arlo will continue to do that every time that Leeds is on television and he's commentating, that will be interesting to see. But, but but there was one thing, let me just add in before you chime in, Kartik, is that uh, Arlo did bring up the story about Bielsa. And I thought this was some, this is something I didn't know, but about Bielsa when he's coaching games that sometimes he would let the other teams uh, get the throw-ins and that he, studying the games, the scholar that he is, would know kind of the weak points of teams. And Liverpool in this one you know, took a throw in and Leeds were able to capitalise on that and score a goal, which I thought was really, really enlightening. That was something I didn't know. And I, I appreciate, appreciated that uh, analysis. Yeah, yeah, that was a good point. And, and uh, I think Arlo... And Graham Rousseau had a, had a really good call on uh, on the the Spurs Everton match, and and we're really on top of what Ancelotti is doing with Everton, and and the changes uh, that he's made in that midfield. So I thought that that was a really good cover uh, broadcast. So when I'm criticizing NBC, I'm actually not criticizing the White Lasso. Um, Dixon uh, combo. I, I think that they had a really good weekend. It's the studio shows that have become predictable, have become stale, and Peacock is offering us a potential alternative if it doesn't get blacked out, right, with uh, Premier League television. Uh, the other point on that, um, 
on that broadcast, the Everton Spurs match, is I think uh, maybe they've heard our critiques of them and Jose Mourinho. And uh, it seemed like it had been dialed back a bit. Uh, they weren't talking as much about Mourinho. Uh, it, again, that was that was White and, and Lasso. I'm not sure about the studio. I, I didn't pay too much attention to the studio uh, uh, after that match. But they, uh, they were focusing on the match. They were focusing on how Ancelotti had rebuilt uh, Everton's midfield. And they were focusing a lot on, uh, rightly, on, on, on Decore and James and, and Alan as uh, as new signings for for Everton, so I, that I thought that coverage was very good. Uh, but by the way, that was on Peacock. Now I remember that was not right. on NBCSN. Yeah, the the thing with NBC Sports is I think they can do better. I mean, we've seen them do better lately. It's been one of those things where if something happens, there's something scandalous, or there's uh, some a bone of contention, or something happens where it's like, wow, did you just see that? Then they react to that. Then they're really good at analyzing that. Um, the one example from recently would have been June or July with uh, Norwich and just the players coming out after the full-time whistle and sitting on the sidelines and the camera zooming in on that. And Rebecca and the two Robbies talking about that, like, what's going on here? Like, shouldn't they be back in in the dressing room, in the changing room, and the ma- talking to the manager and just kind of... Uh, doing this in a private manner rather than publicly showing their frustration at, at, at what was going on. And that was something that was very reactive. It was fantastic to catch it and see it and talk about it. But going into a game, I'm not rushing into games as much as I used to with NBC Sports to listen to their analysis, to get to get a perspective from a Kyle Martino or from or from a Mark Clattenburg or from I mean, uh, the two Robbies. I think I think it's become very very safe and very comfortable, and it and and we don't get too many surprises anymore. Any where we walk away and go like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. I knew I was going to miss Kyle Martino, but I really did miss him, and I, and I know I tweeted that, and uh, there were some snickers out there. Some people agreed with me, but yeah, I, I think he, he brings a level of a, uh, analysis, analytical look at it, which I would I would say the two Barabis do also. But now that's I don't know if NBC Sports is telling them to save it for the podcast. I I don't no. know what the deal is there, but um, they're giving it on the podcast and not giving it necessarily in the studio. And and I know Robbie Musto can be incredible. Incredibly uh, detail-oriented in his analysis. I mean, he's he's one of the best in the business. It seems like his wings have been clipped a bit. This is just my observation from watching it. That maybe they, they don't want to uh, broach certain subjects. Maybe maybe it's for good reason, Chris. I mean, we're, I'm complaining about it. But it's possible that they've done market research. They know what their audience is. Their audience doesn't want to hear all these tactical discussions. They don't want to see Martino and 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 Musto at a, at a chalkboard or at a you know that thing that they had uh, that that uh, Microsoft Surface thing. They want uh, this sort of thing that they're giving. But I don't uh, I don't find it particularly compelling. And again, once again, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, I'm I'm going to ESPN FC and I'm watching uh, Dan Thomas and, and and the boys break break down what they saw because I need to get that because I'm not getting that from NBC. So for anyone who listened to the podcast last episode and hung on till the end, you and I spent about a good five minutes or so, maybe even ten minutes, talking about Leeds United and talking about our some of the history, but also some of the expectations. And also both you and I saying like, oh my gosh, watch out for this team. This team is absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, just amazing that the, the work rates and how Bielsa has this team playing. 
and the match card take lived up to expectations. It even surpassed it. It was, I mean, defensively, it was a nightmare. But what a game, though. This was, a, I mean, a 4-3 game. Leeds, to me, was worth, I mean, Liverpool too, but worth every penny watching this match. It, it, it could have easily gone the other way. It could have been Leeds winning 4-3. A lot of uh, kind of uh, controversial calls in this one. But from start to finish, from zero minutes to 90 minutes, just a wonderful game to watch. Um, it, it had me hooked the whole time. Yeah, and Leeds is only going to get better. Rodrigo is going to is going to become acclimated to the Premier League. Tyler Roberts, player you know very well, Welsh player, uh, he's going to be uh, fit at some point again. I, he, I I know Bielsa really likes him, and uh, he only could play him what ten minutes at the end of the match or something. Uh, I, I I love Jamie Shackleton in midfield. He didn't start, but he's a guy. Uh, that reminds me so much of, uh, I guess, uh, I, I want to say Michael Carrick, but he's, he's a smaller player. So, you know, maybe like a Harry Winks right now at Spurs. There's so many guys that even were on the periphery, the three subs I'm talking about that came on for Leeds. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And, and Bielsa football isn't like other football that you watch. And I think that may have uh, been a real revelation to the Premier League viewer who is not used to the sort of movement you see in the final third off the ball that you saw from Leeds players. They were always finding space. And that's, uh, that is what Bielsa has done everywhere he's been at the club level and, uh, and also with the Chile, Chilean national team, the Argentine national team. I'm not going to address that. I think that they had deeper issues and, and obviously he got scapegoated for it, but um, I, it's just, it's magical football to watch. I know I, we, we had this conversation at the end of the last podcast, right? But uh, I, I hope some of the people who had not seen Leeds United play pre, prior to this now know why you and I are so excited about them being back in the Premier League. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I, I I just can't wait until the fans return, and especially the Leeds United fans. I mean, they're just such a great fan base and just so passionate. Um, but the other thing about this game, though, the Liverpool Leeds game too, Kartik, is you take any of the, of the other managers um, in the Premier League, three three at Anfield, they would have locked it down. They would have shut it down. Okay, Park, uh, you mean eleven players behind the ball, and they they just stop Liverpool from scoring. And Leeds were going at it <laughs> until the last minute of the game. They were going for it. Um, just a, such a refreshingly different, attractive, passionate, attacking style of football. I mean, this this is. I mean, I'm just so excited about Leeds United this season, and uh, looking forward to watching the games. I'm, I'm not even a Leeds Leeds fan, but I will watch these games. Now, Kartik, um, we'll take one more from you as far as uh, some of the things you've been watching this week that was of interest. But I'll just throw mine out here. And that was uh, Copa Libertadores return to U.S. television this uh, week after a long break, a break due to the global pandemic. And so I tuned in this week to watch, um, I think it was on Tuesday night, was uh, Jorge uh, Wilsterman, which is a team from Bolivia against uh, Atletico Paranense. And this was... Um, a joy to watch, a really, really good game to watch. I, and most of all, for me, the, the, the pleasant surprise here, and I didn't expect this at all, I'm, list, I'm listening to the voice of the commentator. I'm like, hey, I know that voice. That sounds really familiar. Is it Max Bredos? And I looked it up on, on Twitter to see if he said anything about it. And lo and behold, it's Max Bredos on BN Sports, commentating the Copa Libertadores. But not, not only was it great to hear Max and his uh, unique uh, goal calls, which if you haven't heard it, it's one of a kind. But he, he, was, he was really informative. I 
I watched this game because of Max. Normally, maybe I would have flipped the channel and gone on to watch Colo uh, Colo against uh, Pen- Penarol uh, in the the bigger game uh, of, yeah. of the two. But Max was talking about the different players, like saying, hey, watch this guy. This guy's really good. He's coming on the field right now. He's built like a tank. I mean, just given the stories, uh, the backstories and, and how pivotal this game was in terms of for uh, Jorge uh, uh, Wilsterman, how important it was for them to win this game. Uh, talking about the altitude, talking about the stadium. Uh, man, he had me hooked. And, and I hope that Max uh, continues doing more work for being sports because uh, it made a difference. And I'm going to keep on uh, watching the games and, and hopefully uh, look out for some of his uh, commentary. Yeah, let's hope he does more games. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned several times in this incarnation on the podcast the last three years how how much I miss uh, him on the call of, of, of matches and how much I even miss him hosting in a studio. And it, while he was at SportsCenter, I, I felt like ESPN didn't use him enough uh, on soccer coverage. But that was also – it also coincided with – with ESPN having less soccer coverage than they had prior to Max getting there and, and after now. Um, so for me, real quickly, I uh, watched, obviously, the uh, CBS Sports Champions League special. Alex Scott did a very good job on that. I uh, watched uh, a lot of NWSL this weekend and uh, WSL. I'm watching more women's soccer than I ever have before. NWSL had a match on CBS. Uh, WSL had a 9-1 match on NBCSN. Uh, which uh, was really a a pretty poor advertisement for the league because West Ham was that bad. Um, A fair amount of Liga Mekis on on 2DNA, and uh, that league is back, and and, and the uh, uh, post-COVID Mexico uh, situation is a little, or it's not post-COVID really, it's, you know, uh, the restart of Liga Mekis has been been kind of stop-start in its place, so there's been some inconsistencies. Last thing, I got to mention this, Chris, um, I know a couple weeks ago I said uh, I wasn't going to watch it. Not only did I watch it, I binged it, and I've watched all nine episodes now and since the last podcast. And that's all or nothing, uh, Jose, all or nothing uh, Spurs uh, featuring Jose Mourinho. I'm uh, going to do a mea culpa here. You know, I, I, I rate Bielsa so highly. Uh, I obviously uh, uh, was a fan of Allegri. Uh, I, I am a fan of Pep's. The documentaries about those clubs that they're at, Leeds, uh, Man City, and Juventus, were like, okay, after an episode, I kind of got it, right? Mm-hmm. And it was monotonous to watch the rest of it. Uh, you were right about this. So I watched the first 30 minutes. I'm thoroughly disgusted about Pochettino getting sacked, which I am in real life. But it's it's like, okay, I'm going to see how the transition is to Mourinho. See what he does. And then I was hooked because Jose remains Jose. And maybe this is why NBC and Sky spend so much time sensationalizing anything he says or does. Because there is a natural kind of humanistic hook to his, uh, his, his megalomania. And he is a megalomaniac, right? Which Pep isn't, which Bielsa isn't, uh, which uh, Allegri isn't. I mean, they have their, their, their obviously their egos and they have their, their principles. And in, in the case of Bielsa, his ideological principles are, stand at the top, I think, of world football. But in terms of uh, just color and entertainment and learning about the psychology and how a manager presses certain buttons and how a manager you know, does certain things behind, uh, behind closed doors – uh, and even though I, we've learned since that he wouldn't let uh, them film his tactics, in terms of the psychology of the game, you will never get a lesson like this, I think, on television. It, it was – or on streaming. It, it was pretty unbelievable, and I, I, I'm here to do a mea culpa. I binged it. 
I will probably watch all nine episodes again at some point because as much as I dislike Mourinho, I think there's so much to learn from watching Mourinho. And that's what I have to say about that documentary. It was pretty amazing, actually. Wow, Kartik, that, that, that's a huge U-turn <laughs> from a couple of weeks ago where you were like, I am not watching this at all because of uh, Poch getting sacked. Or you, you'd watch, watch the first 20 minutes. But yeah, it was, I said I was just going to watch that, which I did. So yeah. I watched the first 20 minutes, Poch gets sacked, and I'm like, eh, let me see what happens when Mourinho takes over. And then I was hooked. Yeah, they had you hooked. They got, they got you hook, line, and sinker. I I enjoyed, I mean, like, like just to recap, I mean, I enjoyed learning more about... Um, the individuals like uh, Harry Kane and Deli Ali and uh, Jose and um, so on and so forth, uh, Son, etc. And and a lot of them kind of um, reconfirmed kind of how I felt they seemed to be. I mean, so so I felt like I learned more about the individuals. What I didn't like was that it was so polished. I mean, I mean there was the the incident, or actually not incident, but there was the moment in the the series where. Joe is he's at his desk and he's writing some notes and then he's listening to Sky Sports News. And to me, the whole thing was fabricated. It seemed so fake. He was listening to what they were saying about uh, Jose. Yeah, he's back. I don't think he has it any longer. You mean, he's, he's not as good as a coach as he used to be. And he gets up off his chair, walks to the television and tells him to F off. Um, I thought that thing seemed really fake and really kind of like, all right, let's, let's try to yeah, do something. Yeah, I agree on that particular thing, moment, yes. But, but, but if they took that out, I, I, it would definitely, the overall series, the parts that I saw, which is probably the first three or four episodes, um, if I'm a Spurs fan or if I want to learn more about the Premier League, I, I want to learn more about how a club works, it was interesting. What I didn't like is that it's, it's very polished. It's very much almost like a... Uh, a Jose documentary and to make Spurs look great and to make them look like, like a, a world world beaters, like a really good club that's kind of high level. So much so to the point that I think this week, I think Amazon announced that uh, they've announced a partnership with uh, Tottenham Hotspur. They're creating a, a whole online store. It's an Amazon Spurs co-branded store that sells Spurs merchandise. And to me, that, that takes up, takes out the kind of the investigative part of a documentary or the uh, objective part of a documentary where you want to get really behind the scenes and really get to know the characters and show you I mean so, so show some things that make that, that that maybe Jose or the club would be a little bit embarrassed about or just show well, them I, the the reality I I didn't I, I don't think this is the reality I think this is kind of a really a you mean a PR effort to make them look as good as possible yeah, I'd, I'd say that about all those documentary series. I, I think the thing that I appreciated about this also was that with Daniel Levy, you get a look at how an executive who has to manage, who is infamous for his the way he handles transfers, has to deal with that stuff. And you see both the good and the bad. I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective. Like, I the the, the maybe they thought they were making the club look good by the way they showed the way they handled the Erickson situation. I thought it made them look bad. Uh, maybe that's my perspective. And I thought it made them look bad how uh, how they were uh, uh, kind of jerking Danny Rose around also. And, and he, he does get to go to Newcastle. And as of this taping, he still doesn't have a squad number this season for Spurs. So I maybe it's my perspective. I thought, eh, you know, uh, and maybe it's because I've watched Rose and Erickson for years. And I like both those players that um, – that and and I think Rose in particular, having been such a long servant to that club, uh, I'm saying, hey, Levy and Mourinho are being jerks to him. 
That's, but maybe that was my interpretation, and maybe the, the casual viewer won't get that. But we got more from Levy in the transfer window than we got from like Soriano and Brazilistan in the um, in the Manchester City documentary, and we also saw Spurs. Uh, kind of wheeling dealing side that I think we know so much about how that works. Uh, the one thing I do not, the one thing I think that was very polished and I agree with you on that was propaganda ish is all the discussion of the new stadium. Yeah. Because I have to say, I think the new stadium is a new surround Spurs. I, I really feel like they're going to be in the same kind of restricted period financially that Arsenal was in at when they built their new stadium. I don't see anyone talking about this in the media. I don't see people speculating on this. Anytime I speculated on social media, there's this flurry of Spurs fans who say, no, you know, Daniel Levy said this and that. And, I, and I'll even say, look, you had stadium delays. You had construction over cost overruns. You had personal seat licenses where you had to return some money to people because the stadium didn't open on time. So I think the stadium was exceedingly sanitized, how they talked about that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't talk enough about what leaving White Hart Lane meant to that club. So, yeah, I think on some some fronts it was very sanitized and propaganda-ish. Yeah, I would be more interested in watching the, the film that was on the cutting room floor. The film that the, the, the segments or interviews that they did that didn't end up in the final uh, documentary series to see what they left out. I mean, did they interview Ericsson and say, hey, Christian... Give us your, your your viewpoint on the developments here. Like what what's happening? Is it? You I mean this is what we're hearing from the club and from Daniel Levy? Uh, but is you I mean is that reality? I mean what are, what are you? Uh, what's happening on your side of, of the story? And and those types of things. And, and yeah, Daniel Levy looks like a god uh, after this uh, broadcast in terms of the way he works and he cares, but he's very businesslike and he's meeting with what Roger Goodell from NFL and giving them a tour of the stadium and showing them how big the club is and so in, so involved in this club, which which I'm sure he is. I just think it it was just too polished for my liking, but but it it was worth watching for sure. It just uh, it's not going to be for everyone. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news. And this is one that we've been waiting for for a very long time uh, and with very good news. And, and I think both you and I are excited about it. Yeah, very excited about the debut season of the Bundesliga on ESPN and ESPN Plus, which will kick off on September 18th, uh, Friday, September 18th, later this week, uh, with uh, the champions of uh, Europe, uh, Bayern Munich uh, kicking off against Schalke, who had a very disappointing season last season, uh, live from the Allianz Arena at 2.30 p.m. Uh, Derek Ray has joined ES or returned to ESPN uh, as their lead Bundesliga commentator. He will continue to do World Feed Bundesliga matches, we understand. Uh, he will be paired with Taylor Twelman. Uh, that, that's no surprise. Uh, so that's uh, going to be a really uh, 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 interesting uh, duo. I think two of the top uh, voices in the English language. You're going to have a, uh, a Bundesliga countdown live on the ESPN app Friday at 1.30 p.m. You're going to have ESPN FC Live hosted by Kay Murray on uh, ESPN at 2 p.m., uh, uh, which will uh, uh, feature Taylor Twelman as well. And there's going to be all kinds of e e uh, additional content on the ESPN uh, Plus platform. Uh, immediately following the first match, the Friday match, which is on ESPN, uh, you'll have an ESPN FC stream on ESPN Plus that that, that, that runs live. Uh, we mentioned Derek Ray is coming back. Um, to uh, uh, to ESPN, and he's very recognizable to everyone. Uh, 
uh, Jan Aj Ford, the former Norway national team forward uh, uh, and played for Borough at one time in the Premier League, uh, joins ESPN as a Bundesliga studio analyst and will be on ESPN FC as well. By the way, Derek Ray will also be on ESPN FC uh, covering the Bundesliga, which fits a hole in their uh, team uh, since uh, Rafa Honigstein has moved on. Although Don Hutchison, by the way, who's also on that Premier League TV channel I talked about earlier, he's done a good job talking about the Bundesliga. He, he clearly follows the league pretty closely. Uh, but uh, they add Derek Ray to ESPN FC. Kay Murray will be hosting, uh, speaking of Borough, she's a big Borough fan, will be hosting the uh, uh, the studio show and will host uh, ESPN FC Live. Uh, and uh, there is a, a number of other really exciting developments with uh, uh, w- w- with the Bundesliga. By the way, in, in the package we got, Chris, from ESPN mm-hmm. uh, Sports Center highlights are going to be uh, are going to be featured. The Bundesliga highlights on Sports Center. So that's something to to really kind of uh, uh, look forward to. Soccer made in Germany. Hey, um, the right. library for how you and I grew up watching soccer in, yep. in this country, or once you moved here, will be on ESPN Plus, which is uh, uh, the great Toby Charles. That's going to be amazing. There's going to be some uh, classic Bundesliga matches also on uh, ESPN Plus, and I, I'm sure there's some stuff I've left out that you can fill in. Yeah, they, they, actually, you did a great job of filling it all in. I think the only, the only thing I could say is that Derek Ray will also be doing some of the World Feed commentaries. So um, even if he's not doing a broadcast on ESPN Plus, uh, we'll probably hear him on ESPN Plus uh, through doing the World Feed uh, for you know, worldwide and ESPN picking up that that commentary feed. But yeah, this is um, this is pretty amazing, Kartik. All the the plans that they have in place. Uh, not just for this opening weekend, but for the season. And um, I mean, I, I know that there's people on Twitter saying that they're going to subscribe to ESPN Plus just because of Soccer Made in Germany. And for most of our listeners and uh, and readers and followers, most of them have probably never seen Toby Charles and Soccer Made in Germany. But if you want to go back and you have some free time um, once this launches on ESPN Plus, hopefully this weekend, uh, go back and take a look. That This is a program that, that was so influential uh, to soccer in the United States. It was practically the only uh, soccer show on television. I mean, w- these days, like what? We get like about 80 to 200 games a week on television. Uh, back then, the best that we had was a highlights package uh, from the previous week, I think it was, or, or the, the few yeah. days before that. And it was uh, like, what, a 60-minute show, if that. I don't know. It was really short. And, and that was it. That was it for the whole entire week. We had nothing else. So, um, yeah, hats off to ESPN for um, some big plans here, too. And it's, I mean, we, when we, we questioned when uh, the Bundesliga moved from Fox to ESPN, if this would hurt them as far as the reach, as far as the number of viewers. But maybe, maybe with, with a, an effort like this, with the marketing uh, behind it, maybe that audience will actually end up being bigger than what it was on Fox. Um, it's definitely heading in the right direction um, based on their plans. Now, one of the people that we spoke about uh, several months ago, I think this would have been probably January, and that from my sources were telling me that uh, the two people, which I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if we even mentioned this on the podcast, but the two people that were planning on being the uh, commentator and co-commentator for games of the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus at that time was going to be Adrian Healy and Taylor Twelman. Well, 
things have changed. Uh, this week, uh, Adrian Healy has announced that uh, he's going to become the English language TV voice of Austin FC, the MLS team uh, that's going to be launching uh, in the near future. So Adrian Healy will continue at ESPN until December. Um, and then he'll head to Austin FC to be their uh, commentator and, and I'm sure doing a lot of TV work for them. He will be back for Euro 2020. So he'll be available, I think, on a basically a freelance basis uh, to work uh, when, when given the opportunity. And, and he'll be there for Euro 2020. But some of his uh, some of his career highlights, Adrian Healy, he's uh, got the record for the most number of MLS play by play broadcasts. In ESPN history, more than 250. He's uh, had eight seasons as the lead MLS play-by-play commentator from 2011 to 2018. He's done six MLS Cups. He's done five UEFA Champions League finals, uh, three FIFA World Cup finals, uh, and two FIFA Women's World Cup finals, and plus much, much more. So so congratulations to Adrian Healy, uh, a big move for him. And it sounds like it's going to be a really good opportunity with, with a new club and uh, starting off in uh, the heart of Texas. Yeah, you talk about uh, scoring a goal from 40 yards out on your first uh, in your first match. If you're Austin FC, I mean, there's no one better you could hire uh, other than maybe Max Bredos, who got taken by LAFC, right? Um I, it's an unbelievable hire for Austin FC. I mean, we're going to miss Adrian Healy on uh, ESPN outside of the uh, Euro 2020 you mentioned uh, uh, and has been a fantastic advocate, I think, for soccer in the United States and for American soccer uh, on uh, ESPN for, for two decades now. Uh, we'll miss him, but uh, kudos to Austin. What a hire. I, I, I can't speak enough of how... Uh, strong a, a statement of intent this is by that by that club and and makes me question why some other MLS clubs don't go after that that level of broadcaster if I'm being perfectly honest about it but I want to hire yeah yeah I mean into Miami picked up uh, Ray Hudson on a, on a part-time basis and uh, Adrian Healy's definitely I mean knows MLS inside and out so as far as finding somebody that uh, has that knowledge base and the contacts and I mean, knows the league inside out. Um, yeah, there's very few that uh, have the, the quality level that uh, Adrian provides for MLS. Kartik, moving on to the next next news item. Yeah, so the theme of the podcast today has been Peacock. Uh, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts says Peacock has added 5 million new signups since they launched in July, with the total number of signups thus far rising to 15 million. So that's... Uh, those are pretty substantial numbers when you think about streaming because people buy streaming platforms with the intent to use them. It's not like cable channels where you say, oh, a cable channel is in 70 million homes, but a lot of people may not know that they they have that channel, right? Uh, there's a there's a more of a buy-in with streaming. So those are pretty impressive numbers for uh, just a couple months in uh, for, for Comcast and for Peacock. Not quite the numbers we, we saw from Disney Plus when they launched and their bundle launched uh, a couple months earlier. Uh, whenever I, COVID has got me confused, it was before COVID, so it must have been late last year. But still some pretty impressive numbers. And then the last news item is uh, it's official. This is something that we talked about in a uh, previous podcast. But CBS All Access will be renamed in 2021 uh, to Paramount Plus. So the new name will be the home of UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League. If you subscribe to CBS All Access, um, you don't have to do anything differently. It's just going to be a new name and a new branding. But sometime in 2021, it will be Paramount Plus. 
All right, Kartik, moving on to TV ratings, and uh, we've got a record breaker here. This one, I want to get your take on this one. So Liverpool against Leeds on NBC, a uh, highly anticipated game. It was on NBC plus uh, Telemundo plus, of course, the NBC Sports app. And the total delivery on this one in terms of number of viewers was 1.53 million people. It's the most watched Premier League opening weekend game in U.S. history. And out of that 1.5 million viewers, um, 1.2 million of those watched the game on NBC. Why? Why is this number as big as it is, um, in your opinion? Because it's Leeds. The the number of people who have been waiting for Leeds to get promoted again. And first of all, it was a season opener and Liverpool was the reigning champion. So let's concede that before people get angry. But I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. but I I don't but I don't know how many fans of the Premier League understand the number of Leeds United fans that I and I and I knew this was going to be the case because there were Leeds fans everywhere I've traveled in this world. There are Leeds fans. And they're not necessarily fans of other prim- uh, of uh, clubs that were or established Premier League clubs at this point. I mean, if I uh, and there were Leeds fans in India, there were Leeds fans in South Africa, there were Leeds fans in Argentina, there were Leeds fans everywhere, and there were a lot in the United States that have just you know kind of drifted the last fifteen years. And this was an opportunity for them to watch their team. And I saw it on social media, by the way. The number of people that I didn't even realize were Leeds fans that I, I've you know connected with on social media through the years, uh, whether they were here in the states, there are a number of them, and elsewhere. So I think that's a big part of it. This is I've said this for many, many years. People have listened to me not necessarily on this show, but on other shows I've been on. Uh, and our friend, former host of this show, Richard Farley, and I have had so many conversations about it. I think for the last decade about the Premier League's missing piece is the fact that Leeds is not in the Premier League because it's a it's one of the biggest cities in in Britain. It has it's a one club town. I, when I go up and down the M1 in, in, in the UK, I find more Leeds fans than I find Liverpool or Man United or Arsenal fans. And um, uh, there are so many Leeds fans in this country. That was something that we've talked about for so long, him and I and, and some other people. So I think that had a lot to do with it. This was Leeds' first match back. Um, and then I think also, uh, quite honestly, people like to watch Liverpool because there's an entertainment level with the with, with those players and with that club. So I, I think that's that's uh, it. You don't get this. You get this matchup twice a year now. So I, what I want to see is if there's uh, other other compelling matchups in the league this year that give us this sort of number because yeah. this was the. Uh, this was a blow away. This was a this was a uh, uh, almost a Club America versus Chivas number. That's how high it was. Well, that that's that's the challenge with this one too, because it, it's such a high watermark from the opening weekend. And, and you're right. I mean, definitely Leeds United have a, a really fanatical fan base, and uh, through generations, through families, there's a lot of people in the United States alone who are Leeds United supporters. They've followed Leeds that uh, maybe are from Yorkshire, or they, they oh, maybe not. There maybe there's a lot of Americans that are Leeds United fans. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Boca Juniors and a little bit of uh, St. Pauli in terms of just how fanatical, how almost cult-like these fans are about those clubs. And the same thing happens with Leeds United. For many people, this would this would might, it might appear to be that Leeds fans coming out of the woodwork in terms of just large numbers. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, and I, that is a, a huge factor to this number. Of course, Liverpool. Liverpool have done a fantastic job in this country of really 
marketing themselves of really uh, in terms of the supporters groups, the fan base, uh, getting really involved, coming back season after season during the, the summer to play games, to travel the country, to go to Canada, to go to the Northeast, uh, to go around this country playing games and doing the hard work. And um, from a marketing perspective and promotion perspective, they've done a, done a, fan, a fantastic job. And going back to the NBC Premier League Fan Fest back in December in Miami Beach, I was just blown away by how many Leeds fans there were. I mean, <laughs> Liverpool fans, sorry, Liverpool fans, they were there. They just took over the entire fan fest. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. So a match made in heaven. You got the Liverpool uh, fanaticals against the Leeds fanaticals. Also to neutrals. I mean, I think this is something, I mean, the last Premier League match was in July, end of July. It's been a long wait. We've gone through... A lot of BS, I mean, this year in terms of um, the pandemic, BS as in it just it's been a downer of a year. And then the other part of it, Kartik, college football. The lack of college football being played, um, this is creating a pent-up demand, I think, and, and also um, an opportunity for NBC to get in front of an audience that may otherwise be preoccupied. But yeah, absolutely fantastic number from this one. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. And first up is Jerry. Jerry says, great podcast, but I got to disagree with Chris about uh, his take about MLS fans being jealous about ICC attendance. The attendance for the ICC has been nothing special. Chris mentions the games at Michigan State, uh, Michigan uh, games of 108,000 and 101,000 in 2014 and 2018. But there is no way to deny that attendance has been steeply down the last few years. In 2019, there were 11 games besides a few capacity games at MLS stadiums. Half of the 11 were less than half full. And even the better attended games in the bigger stadiums were less than two thirds full. While some of these numbers aren't horrible, I don't see why MLS would feel jealous when there are MLS sides that uh, pull equal or better. And yeah, ICC 2019 was definitely a, it was, I wouldn't say a disaster, but it was definitely a low point in the history of ICC. It seems that every year the attendance records would go up and up and up from the previous year. 2019, we had what? We had uh, Women's World Cup. We had Copa America. Uh, what else do we have? We had, was it Gold Cup? Gold Cup. Gold, Gold Cup. Cup. And there might have been a, a fourth tournament too i'm trying to think but anyway that's that's of african nations we had ah there you go so that that summer was filled with non-stop games i mean some some days we had like what i think seven games seven major international games on a day so people were glued to that um so that had a factor where i think people got just got burnt out and then watching basically what uh but about eight weeks of soccer intensively uh, on television day by day and then the ICC arrives and at that point we're burned out we want to have a break before the new season but yeah Jerry I do agree that 2019 was definitely a low point Robert says uh, Chelsea on top I sure hope not money does not always mean quality uh, leads are back my love for hard-working teams makes them one I will watch, but cash is still their problem. Just look at the, the payrolls. Before this transfer window, uh, it ha- the, the actual uh, payroll was for Leeds was about $15 million. Their first game uh, was against Liverpool, 
whose payroll is about $145 million, so serious hard work will be necessary. And I think that serious hard work, uh, we saw that day one. And I think that will actually close the gap. It's not going to close the gap with Manchester City or Chelsea, but it is going to close the gap and surprise a lot of teams. I think it's going to be difficult to, to know how to play against Leeds, um, Kartik. I think, like you said in last week's podcast, there might be some games where Leeds loses four or five nothing, and then they're right back at, at, at it the next game. Don't change their philosophy. Don't don't change their style. But it, it's one to watch for sure. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> Danny Segura says, uh, great podcast, guys. I just wonder how things will go with Peacock, Peacock this season. If NBC continues to put marquee matches on Peacock, then it makes me wonder if it, if it, if we will be losing f- soccer fans in America because of this. Think about it. They are basically hiding the sport away from everyone else by putting quality games behind a paywall. To my knowledge, NBC hasn't done this to the NHL games. So why soccer? I refuse to take part in limiting the exposure of the game uh, to America's wide audience and television. What are your views on soccer becoming streaming exclusive? To me, Kartik, uh, we're at the point in time where you look at um, the different leagues and the different uh, competitions out there that are available to us soccer-wise. And the only, what, two that are pretty much like TV strongholds are Liga MX and um, La Liga, as far as, uh, as far as leagues, club leagues. And you look at the, the World Cup and the Women's World Cup, and that's about it, pretty much. Everything else, I mean, almost 50% of the Premier League games are exclusive to streaming. You look at the Bundesliga every single game on streaming. Serie A, every single game on streaming. Um, it's We're almost at that point in time where two years from now, when the Premier League uh, uh, rights are up and someone else comes in to bid on those rights, it's very possible that, that 100% of those games could be on streaming. you got the UEFA Champions League, uh, pretty much exclusively on streaming, except for now and again, CBS having a game or CBS Sports Network having a game. So... Yeah, so it, so in terms of Danny saying that um, he doesn't want to support um, limiting the, ex- the exposure of the game in this way, it's reality. It's it's unfortunately it, it'd be great if everything was free on television, but that's not the way things are heading. Yeah, and and I think uh, it's also important to, to note when we think about this that there are still um a lot of games on television right i mean it's 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 not everything has gone to streaming certainly less uh games on television than we had five years ago but we still have uh we still have more Premier League matches on television than we do uh, as a percentage of the league than we will have Bundesliga, Serie A, and and uh, obviously Champions League. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Well, if you think that one was bad in terms of talking about Peacock, uh, listen to this one, which is uh, Nick. Nick says, um, on a show a few weeks back, you mentioned the Conma Bowl World Cup qualifying is only available by pay-per-view and that each match was priced at $100. Is there any alternative to this? It's, re- it's a r- ridiculous price that, out of principle, I won't be paying, even if it were $100 for a single match day of five games, I still wouldn't pay. 
So this is reality. This is what uh, Karma Bowl has signed a deal with a streaming provider uh, called Fight, F-I-T-E. And they have the exclusive rights in both English language and Spanish language to World Cup qualifying for the Karma Bowl. So your Argentinas, your Brazils, uh, Colombias, Uruguays, etc., the price, I believe it's $100 and you get, I think it's for a single match day. So you would get five games for those $100. But most fans going into this are probably, I mean, if you're a, a Colombian fan, you'll watch Colombia play, but you're, you're not so much interested in watching you know, Paraguay or Venezuela or, or some of the other teams playing. So you're going in there having to pay $100. And that's the only way that legally you can watch those games. I, we, we found out about this probably back in February or March, and I was going to write an article about it, but I held off because of uh, the, the pandemic. And um, I've held off on this, on posting it, because Carmibol keeps on uh, delaying the World Cup qualifying. Originally, it was um, well, back in March, but then it was going to be September, no, I think August, and then September, then it was going to be October. Now they're talking about perhaps uh, 2021 because a lot of the uh, the players um, from the Conmebol countries are based in Europe. So you got your Argentines and your Brazilians and Colombians. A lot of them play in the top leagues in, in Europe, and it's going to be very difficult to get them to come. I mean, in terms of the pandemic, still to come to travel to um, South America for these games. It's a complete mess. It's a complete nightmare. And that's just the games and then the actual streaming themselves, which is going to be streaming online, um, basically with prices that we've never seen before. I mean, $100 for you mean, a package of games. This is, I mean, this is kind of 1990s uh, uh, scenario, but um, it is reality. And, and when we get too closer to that, uh, that World Cup qualifying and when Conmebol kind of uh, says, okay, here's the games, this is when it's going to happen, then I'll go ahead and write the piece. And, and if, if you imagine that people how how shocked and pissed off they were about Peacock. Wait until this happens, Kartik. Yeah, well, one little caveat here that, and I'm going to throw out some some rumors. They're not necessarily. Uh, I'm not going to source them. They're not necessarily founded at this point, but everything's on the table. There were rumors going around that the Copa next year, the rescheduled Copa, uh, which is a uh, which is a, a Copa that was going to be split between Argentina and Colombia, may end up having to serve as a proxy for qualifying in some manner because they're going to run out of dates otherwise. So wow. we might. Well, we don't know where the Copa is going to be broadcast, right? But I was thinking we might get a little bit of a respite for some of the matches if they do use the Copa to qualify. What a mess. What a mess. Well, Comdeval, uh, you know, is on the record not wanting to do that. But there are just rumors floating around that there's no way that they can do this, that they can get um, 18 qualifiers in between March and, uh, March of 2021. And uh, when would qualifying have to be done of it was supposed to be done in November of 2021. So I can't, yeah. I mean, maybe March of 2022. I, I don't, there's still no way. Right, exactly. And then last but not least, uh, Roberto says, uh, is the Women's Super League becoming the women's version of the Premier League, buying up most of the world's best women players? Um. Okay, so first of all, Leon is still much better than any team in England. So uh, Leon has the best players in the world that are not American. Uh, and then I would say PSG is the second best team. And I think uh, Wolfsburg is probably better than any team in England. But they're certainly making a statement 
the WSL and that they can come into the U.S. and take players from the U.S. who are the established leaders in, in global women's football. So uh, the, the press Heath deal hasn't happened yet with Man United, but 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 it very well might. Uh, they'll get that across the line. We know Sam Kerr has gone to Chelsea. She's arguably the best player in the world. She's Australian, by the way, but she obviously we played in NWSL. Uh, Mewist and, and Lavelle going to Man City. Uh, a couple moves for Arsenal as well. So uh, And Alex Morgan now on loan to Spurs. Uh, they're making that statement of intent, and I think as a league, they're going to have more stars than uh, other leagues. But I still think the two best uh, women's teams outside the United States, and maybe the two best teams in the world. I think you put Leon in um, in NWSL. It's them in North Carolina at the top, right, fighting. Um, I still think the two best teams are in, in uh, the French League at, at this moment. Wow. So, Kartik, uh we got a lot to get to uh, for the next episode. So next episode, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about Peacock a lot more. But um, one of the things to keep an eye out for this weekend, too, coming up is, of course, a lot of games on, on Peacock, as we've mentioned. On the website, worldsoccertalk.com, we've got an article, which is how to watch the Premier League on Peacock TV, which goes through every single option available to you. Even if you have a Roku, even if you have an Amazon uh, Fire TV stick, or even if you have... Uh, Comcast or Cox. There's a lot of good information there. We also have an FAQ that goes into a lot of details. And of course, too, uh, launched last week, we have the brand new free ebook, which is called The Ultimate Soccer TV and Streaming Guide, which goes through every single league. It's available uh, in the US on, on television and streaming, as well as every single uh, competition, etc and cup etc uh about 22 pages packed full of some great information so check all those things out at worldsoccertalk.com and uh, we want you to have your say too so if you do have any questions about uh, anything we've talked about on this podcast or you have questions about streaming about watching uh, games on television um tech questions or uh, some feedback on some of the things we've been talking about or some suggestions or other things we, we should talk about in future episodes you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, uh, heading into another weekend with a lot to look forward to. The start of the Bundesliga, the new season. I'm excited. On Friday, you've got... Um, You've got, of course, uh, I think Serie A starting this weekend too. Yeah. A big weekend for Serie A in Italy. We, we saw how good it was last season. Hopefully it can uh, pick right off uh, uh, in terms of a title race there. you got the, the Premier League mostly on uh, Peacock, so definitely be prepared for that one, as well as soccer from around the world. And uh, what are you going to be doing and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. <laughs>